So I just wanted to do a quick poll. Um, how many of you have gotten together with your family on Zoom in the past year? So had any Zoom gatherings? Um, I had an interesting observation that for our family, uh, we actually probably got together more than we would have uh, because of Zoom. And because everyone else was taken away, uh, the kids couldn't see their classmates and you couldn't go to work, um, we actually had more time together on Zoom than ever before. In fact, it led to uh, an Easter competition. In honor of my grandmother who would make a bunny cake for Easter, uh, we all made these bunny cakes and we had a competition to see who was the winners. Ours was on brown sugar in the sand. It was only half of a body. I'm not sure we won, but anyway, uh, A for effort. Um, and, and it was fun. Fun getting together with family. Fun recognizing that technology allows us uh, to get together with people in Minnesota and Florida and Vero Beach. Uh, it's awesome. But one of the reasons that at least our family did this is because we realized we needed people. <laughs> there was only so much time we could go alone. We needed to see some friendly faces, whether it be technology or not. And when you look back at this past year, did you have a moment where you recognized how much you needed people? Maybe for some of you, you had to quarantine. And so when you could finally get out and go back to work and go back to school, man, it meant something to you. Uh, maybe it was, uh, again, um, uh, getting back to the classroom um, after some virtual learning. I, I know that uh, some of our kids now in the Lincoln Way system are getting back finally in the classroom. And man, I, I miss seeing my classmates. You know, as we consider this topic, God actually has designed us for companionship. His thumbprint on you is to need and require people. When we go back to the very beginning of how God made things, I want you to consider in a perfect world this statement. This was when everything was not corrupted by sin, when everything was working in order, God still said, it is not good for man to be, can you say that word? And maybe you've recognized that as well. It's not good to be alone. You know, um, even pastors have been talking about this. Uh, something that we talk about uh, among fellow clergy is that uh, we love having the online option. And uh, welcome again to those who are live streaming right now. Um, we, we love to make that accessible for those who may be at high risk and, and, and can be safe that way. But I think we all have this collective idea that we hope it's a short-term fix and not a long-term solution. Let me say it again. We're hoping that in general, a live stream for a worshiper, for a Christian, is a short-term fix and not a long-term solution. Because of the idea that God has created us for other people. That if you are a Christian, his design was never that you would go it alone, but that you would operate in community with other people. In fact, consider this passage that says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. See, one of the things that happens when we get together is there is encouragement just by the presence that you're here. You get to see a face. You get to talk about life. You get to ask how it's going. And doing life together is better than doing life alone. And so while we need people, I guess another question, though, as you look back at your life, as you an an analyze who's in your life, do you have good partners around you, good people? Did you get the, the right comments 
when you needed it from those in your life. Because here's our first takeaway, that people leech onto us. <laughs> now, what does leech mean? Um, I don't know if you've ever done a study on aluminum cans and, and how if you put soda in an aluminum can, some of that aluminum can actually leach into your soda. Uh, don't worry, I hear it's uh, not very harmful levels, and yet that's what aluminum does. And so what do I mean by people leeching? Whenever you get together with people, sometimes their vocabulary becomes your vocabulary. Their mannerisms become your mannerisms. Their way of thinking and doing life becomes your way of thinking and doing life. Do you know what I'm talking about? And what we recognize in this past year is that if you were surrounded by people that had one point of view on the pandemic and one point of view on politics, you started thinking and maybe even using the same vocabulary and having the same conversations. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because people leech, and, and that's just how it goes. And so, we need to beware. We need to beware of having the right influences, not the wrong influences, especially in our time of need. We need to be surrounded by what is good, because God has warned us this. He has said, if the wrong people are there, be careful, because bad company corrupts good character. This reminds me of my wife and I who were uh, binging a Netflix series. Um, and uh, we saw this young man who was a good man attracted to this young girl. And this young girl was not a good influence. Because of the young girl and wanting to do anything to get her attention, uh, he would call off of work and call in sick when he wasn't sick. And the show set up that he even stole some alcohol in order to impress the young girl. Uh, not a good influence. Bad company corrupts good character. It's why every parent is concerned who the friends of the kid are. It's why you might talk about who to marry someday. We know this. In fact, another principle is that if you think that because of your good character, you're going to change them, that don't worry, once we get married, it'll change. Or don't worry, I'm going to change that friend group. No, God says, warns, they're going to change you. Bad company corrupts good character. It's because this is a principle. Who, who would God have us go after? What are the partners that we need in life? What does that look like in this world? That's what I want to talk about with you through the lens of God's word. And so today we hear one of my favorite voices. It's uh, King Solomon. Um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and something you should know about Solomon is that he had a thousand romantic interests in his life. Now, by the way, that's not God's plan for anyone. Uh, it didn't work out well for him. And in fact, Bible commentators say because he did that, and many of them were unbelievers, uh, many think that he almost lost his faith. The man who started out so well asking for wisdom and God said, great job, almost lost his faith because he was not careful with the people who were around him. And their unbelief and their way almost affected him that he almost missed out on eternity. That's how important this principle is. But now as Solomon writes, he tells us again the, the good of company, what, what a good partner looks like. Um, and because we believe God is speaking, can I invite you to please stand as we hear the word of God. So here we consider from Ecclesiastes 4. There was a man all alone and he had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? 
This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We have the opportunity to talk about these verses together. Uh, before uh, you sit down, um, could you just say to someone next to you or out loud that I need people. I need people. I need people. All right, please be seated. So let's begin with a story. Once there was a young boy uh, playing on the playground and uh, a bully came up to him. And this bully was stronger and bigger, and the bully made the young child feel very scared and afraid, wondering what was going to happen next. That is until the young boy's older sister came. And the older sister was tough. And the older sister threatened with her words, if the bully didn't go away and leave the young boy alone, that he was going to get it. And it worked. And the reason I remember this story and tell you this story is because I was a young boy, I was in grade school, don't worry, it wasn't like yesterday. And the older sister was my sister, Noelle. And in that moment, I learned what a passage from Solomon said. Solomon starts off uh, what a good partner does, and he says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And you know what a good partner does, our first takeaway? A good partner protects. See, what a good partner does is they have your back. They have your best interests in mind in how they make choices and how they operate the family and what you do as your friendship time together. They care about you. Yes, in some circles you might enjoy sarcasm, but that sarcasm is never used at the expense of actually tearing them down. It's just for fun. Yes, a good partner protects. And the reason we need good partners is because every day we live, we're actually uh, facing a bully spiritually. We have a spiritual adversary, the devil, and he is described as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This devil would love nothing better than to get us into paths that don't please God and hurt people. This devil is uh, very skilled at getting us to live in guilt and shame. And so what does a good partner do? A good partner knows the ways and the will of God and says, we, we can't go there. And a good partner, when dealing with guilt and shame, reminds you, you're forgiven. The cross of Jesus has covered that, and you don't have to stew in guilt and shame. You know, at Amazing Love, we believe in good partners so much uh, that we have set up groups. And we have a tremendous group opportunities coming up. Uh, we have Starting Point this Tuesday, Romans on Wednesday, growth groups coming, women's group, men's group, um, opportunities to have good partners speak into your life, to remind you you're forgiven, to talk about here's where we need to go and here's where we need to avoid. May God bless you as you consider group life here at Amazing Love. So good partner protects. Let's talk about another thing. Um, you know, it was interesting, I observed that um, it seemed everyone's creative juices this past week had to do with Bernie Sanders. Did you guys see this? Like, everyone came together with Bernie Sanders and mittens. 
Um, I, I saw quite a few memes uh, about Bernie Sanders and Mittens. Can we have some fun together in the house of God? Uh, here were some of the ones that, that struck me. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Harry Potter. Bernie Sanders among the Avengers. Bernie Sanders and Mean Girls. I just like that face and that face combined. Uh, Bobby Knight and Bernie Sanders. And uh, if you know what's happening next with Bobby Knight, you know, Bernie, get off the chair, right? So um, Bernie Sanders building. Uh, Bernie Sanders Gangnam Style. Yep. And something I reflect on that I saw is that in a nation that was so divided, uh, it seemed like everyone was actually uh, coming together uh, because of Bernie Sanders. That's all we needed. We needed Mittens and him sitting for inauguration. And the reason I bring this up is because when you have a good partner in your life, they're the ones you can joke around with. They're the ones you can have good, clean fun. That if you have a good partner, it could almost be identified by how much laughter is coming from the room and the warmth that you feel having gotten together with them. There's just something different because of what that good partner provides. Now, the way that it was talked about uh, was, was this, that if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And some Bible commentators extended the idea of warmth to just the pleasant companionship of someone else. That in a world where we have furnaces and heated blankets to keep us warm, uh, being around someone and their pleasant nature is something that we should really strive for. So a good partner, I think, is pleasant to be around. But this isn't the case with everyone. And God warns us of the company that would not be pleasant in our life. God warns us there's actually a category of people to avoid if you want life to go well and you want your group to be good. In fact, look at Proverbs and what it says about anger. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. It's interesting that Solomon picks up on the fact that this anger leeches. That just as they blew off the handles, so you might learn that way and find yourself blowing up in the same regard, just based on who you're hanging out with, beware. You know, this was so apparent to me as I met uh, for a pastor's conference. We as pastors got together, and uh, we were in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and we were talking about when marriage goes wrong and specifically about the topic of domestic abuse. Do you know that one in three women will face some kind of abuse, whether verbal, emotional, or physical? Do you know one in four men will face abuse in the same regard? And as we are gathered um, as pastors looking about what happens in a situation where this group goes wrong, where partners go wrong, it's just sad. We listened to the stories of three ladies who talked about their experience of what it was to be in a household where this was going on. And what we all kind of understood is this is not what God wants for anyone. That this is no longer a good partnership. And so as we discuss good and bad partners, one of the questions we might wonder is, where is Jesus? See, we've come every Sunday to see Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the solution. Where is Jesus? Something I recognize is the friends that he had in his life. He gathered around an inner three, Peter, James, and John, and then he had 12. 
But what I see is that when he needed them, they weren't there. It starts in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he takes the inner three, Peter, James, and John, and he just says, hey guys, could you help me? Could you watch and pray with me? It's a really hard time. Could you watch and pray? And instead of watching and praying, do you know what he found him doing? Sleeping. At the time when he was in court and everyone was spreading lies about him and, and falsely accusing him, when he needed someone to stand up, you do know what one disciple was doing? The very opposite, denying him in the outer court. As he goes to the cross, he has to go it alone because all had deserted him. And then we come here and, and we look at the state of Christianity today and are we perfect friends for Jesus? In the world we live in, are we always standing up for him and the things of God? Always saying, you can't talk about my God that way. When it comes to what he would advise us to do, does he find us as his friends doing exactly what those directives are? And so what I find is, when it comes to a perfect partner, he's the only one. He's the only one. And what I would tell you is that even if you have no other good people in your life and still have Jesus, you have enough. Because with Jesus, that perfect partner, you have the one who will never leave you or forsake you, a constant companion and friend. What Jesus won for you is a heavenly father, and that father will always protect you, will always guard you, will always provide for you. Because of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, who is that pleasant companion inside of us to guide us in paths that please and empower us as we live for him. What I would remind you is that because Jesus bore the cross and rose again, you have a perfect friend now and forever, regardless of the state of your relationships. How great is our best friend. But there's more we can learn about what a good partner looks like. And as we look at the year that has just gone by, one of the things I reflect on is there is something that was really good that happened during this last year. <laughs> and what I think was really good was the last dance. And it reminded me of the Bulls' dominance, and it also reminded me that as good as Michael Jordan was, he wouldn't have won a championship without Scottie Pippen. See, he played basketball uh, before, and he played after, and without Scottie, they never won a championship. He needed Scottie right there. It reminds me of what Solomon says, that two are better one than one because they have a good return for their labor. I was doing some research about all the things you cannot do alone, <laughs> uh, that you cannot go water skiing alone, uh, that you cannot play catch alone, that you cannot give a hug alone, that you cannot sing a duet alone. Um, there, there are so many things that are just better and intended to be together. You cannot seesaw alone. And so what uh, God is saying is this, that a good partner enhances your productivity. And here I'm drawn to the idea of marriage. Marriage has some benefits, doesn't it? When it comes to even financial circumstances, when filing jointly, you can get some tax breaks just by simply being married to someone else. 
sometimes better off financially. When it comes to a family unit and having kids, God intends that that would be a dual activity and not done alone. It takes two people. There's so many things that make life better together in a marriage when God is there with them. This was also something in my mind when it comes to the state of our church right now um, because we are calling for a second pastor. And I had a great time talking to a pastor hour and a half yesterday, just kind of dreaming of what would be possible. What would be possible as we work and do life together? How could we serve God's people and what would he do in his kingdom uh, with that? Because what we know is good partners enhance productivity. But a final thought before we go. If anything we learn from this past year, it is that at one point or another, we're going to need some help. We're going to come across a bad day or a bad circumstance. We're going to deal with sickness or possibly death, job loss or hard days. We're going to need help. And what I love that God says is that if we have someone, a partner, to help us out, how, how blessed we are, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them out. See, what a good partner does is they pull you out of the pit. You know, as a pastor, I see all the different pits that people fall into. And one of them is addictive type of sins. I was reading a little bit about being addicted to sugar, and I had to pause because I thought, well, we all need sugar. But someone was telling me that they got away from, like, pure cane sugar in the bad forms only through accountability and help. And something that I've learned in my observation as a pastor, when people get into dangerous addictive activities, whether it be the use of drugs or alcohol, whether it be bad sexual immorality like the use of pornography, whether it be uh, gambling, whether it be lying, all of these addictive things are too hard for anyone alone. In fact, what I've seen is that people make progress through groups like AA and progress through a program called Covenant Eyes and progress through groups against gambling. Uh, it takes more than just one person's inertia. Sometimes when in a pit, you need help. I love that Jesus did that for someone. I'm reminded of someone who was caught up with stealing and lying. His name was Zacchaeus. And everyone knew that he was a liar and a thief. He was a tax collector. But Jesus comes to him one day and says, I'm going to eat with you. And you know what happens with Zacchaeus after this event? He says, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. All he needed was Jesus' help to come to him and say, don't do it that way. And by the Spirit, he could get out of that pit. That's the help of a good partner. One to lift us up and pick us out of the pit. You know, sometimes we see illustrations of that in those races where they fall down. And another guy here, example of a vet who picks up and makes them cross. That's all of us at one point or another. We're going to fall down. The question is, who do you have to pick you up? And so for most of this sermon, we've been asking, do we have a good partner? But before we go, I want to flip it. 
Because the reality is you can't always control those in your life. You can't control the family you were born in. You can't always control who you work with, the classmates, the teammates. You can't always control that. And so sometimes instead of emphasizing having the good partner, I want to ask you, are you a good partner? Are you a good partner? Are you one who, when someone needs defense, stick up for them? You're the one who has their back. Are you one pleasant to be around, fueled by the Spirit, filled with gentleness and faithfulness and goodness? Are you the one to help them and draw them up and remind them of forgiveness? Do you know how you do this? You put Jesus in the mix. In any relationship, if you put Jesus in the mix, there is true strength. When you talk about marriage and Jesus is in the mix, man, that's a cord of three strands not quickly broken. When you have two classmates and Jesus is in the mix, that again is a strong union. Uh, That's what happens in church community. We put Jesus in the mix and we experience true strength. May God so bless you to be a good partner, to be all the things we considered fueled By his grace. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we cannot control the family we are born into. And we can't always control the state of our relationships. We do praise you that you will always be there for us. I pray that you would continue to protect your people. Regardless of their circumstance and give them what they need. I pray that by the Spirit you would fuel us to be the partners that others need in their lives. Empower us to be a light for you. In Jesus' name, amen.